0: Happy Holidays and welcome back to our Attack on Titan podcast, You Hear Big Girls. My name is Luna and today I'm
1: joined by my lovely co-host, Mom Taku. Hi Luna, thanks for that. Uh, this month for the Chapter 112 podcast, Luna and I are truly excited to be joined by motion manga editor, YouTuber, and all-around fandom sweetheart, our friend Sol. Sol, Welcome.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've always wanted to try my luck at podcasting, so this is kind of the perfect opportunity, uh, especially after the recent chapter, as it's probably one of the spiciest of the year. So I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you for being here. <laughs> so chapter 112 is called Ignorance, and thinking on it, I, I feel like that title works really well for uh, how we see how that lack of information that our cast is always suffering from, how that affects them. Our first character is Hanji, who was misled about the physical effects of ingesting Zeke's spinal fluid. And of course, we have Armin, who was ignorant about how his Titan inheritance would affect him, and Mikasa, who was in the dark about her heritage. And as I watch Aaron Yeager, who has let his loyalties to Zeke take precedence over his closest friends, I have to wonder if he's the most ignorant of them all. But before we kick things off with Hanji, I wanted to get your impressions of this chapter. Sol, Luna, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I thought it was interesting, the the dynamic that this brought, because we always knew that this Eren, Mikasa, and Armin talk was going to be inevitable, and it was just how Isiama would pull that off, which was, you know, the question in everyone's mind. I, I think the title for this chapter was really fitting, just ignorance, because... As you said, pretty much everyone like was kind of ignorant of something this chapter. And it just kind of makes us question how just should we trust everyone? Like, should we trust these people in power? Like, is anyone actually competent enough? Or like, it, will the situation just like spiral downhill? So it, it was interesting just to see like the different character dynamics play off um, and see how things played out pretty much.
0: Yeah, I feel that we as readers were also ignorant to how quickly (laughs) and how badly this would escalate.
2: Oh God, yeah. (laughs) Oh,
0: I mean, I read the spoilers before the official release and I thought, wow, this is bad. And then I was reading the chapter when it officially released and every time I had to stop and take a break for like 20 minutes because it was just getting too
1: much. I was like, wow, this is a lot. I think that's what got me like we've been clamoring for the Shiganshina Trio to talk for months This has been number one on the poll. What do you want from this chapter? Everyone wants them to talk and I think Two chapters ago when Zachy denied their request and then Aaron escaped I thought that ship had sailed I think a lot of people thought that that ship had sailed. So we absolutely were the ignorant ones here I never ever thought that, just, that this chapter would bring us this discussion and was completely blown away not only that we had it but by the content of it I mean it was um that was my thought exactly we were the ignorant ones we we should never trust Isayama he's such a jerk
2: (laughs) well especially with like the cover the volume cover like the the teasing that
0: was done with such intent to hurt
2: us (laughs) yeah and like it, it was the kind of thing where I I read the text spoilers beforehand and I I thought they were like, you know, I I thought they were made up, fake, because I was like, "What well, Armin punches Eren? Like, nah, that's just way out of character. This is not going to happen. But he he just he just did it to us pretty much. Iscariot just he uh he didn't hold back, and I I think that's telling that like he's really deciding to ramp up the emotional value now that the uh the story is coming to its end.
0: But those are my kind of yeah my favorite chapters where he does something kind of predictable because we knew it was going to spiral out of control with Armin, Mikasa and Eren at some point. But then it takes such a turn that even we as fans are completely flabbergasted at what's going on. <laughs> but at the same time we still like it because if we look at like the chapter poll for example, like I think this is the third highest rated chapter that we've seen this far. Like it has like a 4.68 rating so far. So it's only slightly behind 102 and 101. Yeah, Damn. people are going crazy for this chapter. They really like it, despite the content.
1: I've been talking with some of my friends in the um, like in the ship communities and in the character communities, and they're all. Um, while this chapter was heartbreaking, they're all kind of relieved. Like they knew this was coming. We all knew this was coming since the character guide and the answers interviews that this separation would be here, and so everyone's been waiting for this shoe to drop. And the shoe has dropped. So I know what they're thinking, because I remember being like this in chapter 83, that Isayama has done his worst, and nothing can (laughs) hurt me now. And that's a (laughs) lie. I'm telling anyone listening who believes that, that you are now like, have faced your worst nightmare, you're lying to yourself. It's going to get, It's it it never stops hurting. Never. The
2: suffering will never end, pretty much. (laughs) Never.
1: Never. All right, so let's kick things off with Hanji. I think the most interesting piece of this discussion for me was Nicolò's comments about how the wine was packed onto the ships from the very beginning. It was more wine than any voyage would ever need, and he gave us some insight into how Eldians have been used in the past as war weapons. I was I you know, I I tried to bring this up in conversation with other people. I I I think it it Opens up the possibility that the Marleyan government knew about the wine, and I—I I don't. I know Zeke is clever; he's four D chess master, whatever. But the act of bottling, loading, inspecting those ships—I mean, all of that had to have had Marleyan oversight. I was curious. Does that say something about Zeke? What does that say um, about this plot against Paradis?
2: Well, I, I haven't focused too much of this aspect of the chapter that much, like regarding the entire wine situation. But I did find it interesting like it, it kind of confirms that Zeke has been playing against Paradise pretty much since the very beginning, like day one, that he's definitely a disingenuous person and we know where his intentions lie. But as 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 far as you know the cooperation of Marley to bring over the wine, um I still think it's kind of ambiguous on where on what exactly Zeke's entire shtick is because he's definitely not on the side of, well, the Parrot Paradis government. But I wouldn't say he's on the side of the Malian military as well.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if he was playing the Marleyan government as well. I, I just I can't imagine Marley didn't know about this. And it it is very possible that Zeke maybe encouraged this or, you know, this was part of the conversation. I I, I don't think it's an indication that he's absolutely working with them, but maybe playing them. Hmm. I'm not sure. Like,
0: I'm, there were moles in, uh, Marley, in the Berio. I think there were also like rats or moles or people that were maybe paid off in the Marleyan government or in the Marleyan army. Like, I'm sure that is something that Zeke could have arranged. And that's how the, the wine bottles got past inspection. But I don't think even maybe the Malayan government knew what was going on then or maybe they didn't care or they thought oh well he's going to perhaps titanize some paradisians if they have the chance like what's the big deal i don't know what they were thinking if they were involved
2: yeah because it's quite it's, it's quite a large scale operation to bring all that wine and like if we think about the actual scale of the amount of people affected by it there's probably quite a lot like pretty much all the interior high up Drunk that wine.
1: That's the part that gets me. So when Yelena brought all that serum a year before the present day, my thought was, oh, that's when the wine started to be infected. But no, this new information brings out that this wine plot has been going on for four years from the very first surveying ship. This was this was already in play. I think the other question raised by this new information from Niccolo, how does this change your opinions about what happened in Rockago village? Do you think the story of the gas attack still stands or is it now more likely that Zeke poisoned the water supply? Yeah.
0: I mean, Isayama has been bad with like giving us flashbacks and then retconning them later. For example, when um, Bertolt was telling how he uh, saw a Titan when he opened his bedroom window and it turned out to be the story from the, the man who gave him uh, him and Annie and Reiner shelter later on so it wouldn't be the first flashback that's inaccurate if they were indeed you know their water supply was poisoned or they also got some like poisoned alcohol or who knows what but it's kind of elaborate to draw something like that many panels and then devote so much time to it and then have it all be a ruse but the chapter was called liar
2: yeah the issue is is that it came from zeke like, Zeke was the one who was narrating that flashback. And we all know Zeke, like, you can't really take him at face value. So it's interesting. Like, as far as Rakugo goes, like, I always assumed that it it was, like, it was Zeke's spinal fluid mixed in with, like, poison gas or whatever. And the poison gas is what made yeah. them collapse, not the spinal fluid. But I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at this point.
1: It is interesting that when Zeke told the story of Rakugo, it was absolutely chapter 110, which was called Counterfeit or Liars. And one thing I noticed about that chapter, after Zeke tells the story, he says to Levi, why do you keep asking about it again and again? It confirmed to me that Hanji, the Survey Corps, were worried about what Zeke could do with this spinal fluid. And that, again, he kept up this ruse for a very long time, selling it the story of Rakugo over and over and over to throw them off the trail of the wine plot. Yeah, he's also a really good liar if he can keep telling the same lie over and over without getting caught. Especially to Levi, to lie to Levi's face over and over about what happened in Rakugo.
2: Oh yeah, I mean we've we've seen this like kind of facade that Zeke puts on multiple times, you know, he did it with uh Kiyomi where he was like Oh, I'm I'm doing this all, you know, for Paradise and for our cooperation. Oh, let's let's be best friends. Oh, you know, here's some ice burst stone. Uh, and then he did that with uh, the Paradis uh, military. He's done that with Levi. Like he's he's very good at like putting on a mask in front of other people and hiding his true intentions behind just to uh, kind of manipulate them. So
1: I am blown away though that um, this plot has been in the works. I mean, I don't doubt it, but to have that confirmation that Zeke has orchestrated this for the last four years?
0: Well, three, right? Well, maybe he's been planning it for four after he came back from Paladies. But the first ships were sent out three years ago, I think.
1: Has it been a four-year time skip? In? No, three, you're right, three years. It was a one-year time skip after Irwin's death and then three years now. Okay, good, you're right. It's three years.
2: Still three years. Yeah, 32 Navy ships packed with more wine than any voyage would ever need. Just like if most of that wine has been drunk by like high high up MPs. then you know, it might it, it might have even been uh, you know, passed around to even more people. Like the scale of this could be like really massive,
0: yeah. we discussed this a little bit last chapter and also in the last poll, like who do you think was poisoned by the wine? But now that we know that it, the wine has been sent continuously for three years? Oof. I know <laughs> yeah. Nicola was only allowed to serve it to like the higher ups, but who knows? Like other crates
1: could have been distributed uh, amongst the population. So I wondered about that last month. You know, were they allowed to take it home? Were they allowed to share it with their friends? You know, did they have parties there? I mean, it it really is I mean, what a bargaining chip and what brilliance on Zeke's part that he now has all the important people in the government under his thumb where he can make them do whatever he wants.
2: Yeah, it kind of explains his confidence in a way, um, you know, when negotiating with Paradis and when he came over, uh, you know, obviously he has royal blood, so that kind of makes him valuable in one. But in the other hand, you know, he has so many people under hostage, pretty much, uh, as I can in So that kind of explains his, his confidence when going along with Paradis to the island.
1: That's true. He had no reason not to show up there because he had his um, weapon in hand whether they knew it or not.
0: And the fact that even the very first ship was full of wine, like he knew that he was going to succeed. He's very, very confident and very full of himself, but rightfully
1: so, apparently.
2: Yep, 4D chess.
1: Well, and this makes me think that Historia's pregnancy is his manipulation as well, because the only thing that prevented him from being executed the moment he stepped off that ship from Marley was the fact that Historia was pregnant. So I do sense... I mean, my theory has been that Zeke has orchestrated this. He had, She's the only other person who um, can take his power at this point. So as long as she's not capable of taking it, he has a, a free pass. He, he can't be touched. He's untouchable. Yeah. Or was until Levi decided to take matters into his own hands. <laughs> and just feed him off
0: to some random, which I think they should have done before anyway. But then they couldn't use the rumbling. Right. Yeah. So... But, yeah, is there any need for them to directly now use the rumbling? You know, they bought themselves some time, so they know the rest of the world cannot attack them right now.
2: Yeah, I, I still think the the pressure that the public is giving, you know, the government of, like, you know, how, how much they love the Jaegers. So...
0: <laughs> well, do they? Do they even know that? I mean, no, no,
2: there? sorry, the Jaeger. The not, <laughs> not, not, not the Zeke, right? <laughs> not Zeke Jaeger, the Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, there's, there's been a lot of, like, pressure for them to be, you know, kind of extremist and, like, you know, support Eren in whatever he does. So that kind of, like, puts pressure on them just disposing on Zeke.
0: <sighs> I wish they would have just fed him to, like, some random I... dude. Same. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's kind of funny to see him and just succeed so well while the rest of Parody is failing so horribly in every aspect. Did you see um, the artwork that Nelja made about like Reiner and Peek and Porco showing up?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> they show up with their surprise attack. Meanwhile, everyone is fighting. Like, We'll
1: have to link to that in the comments section.
0: I will. It's, it's a hilarious, hilarious
1: piece of art. Anything else about the opening pages that you guys want to discuss? We had Niccolo suddenly becoming, I want to be the man that you are, Mr. Browse. And I would like to skip talking about Falco's bubble bath. <laughs> I, I want to talk about it a little, just because. Well, can we talk okay. about how Hanji's understanding of <laughs> hygiene and the transmissions of diseases was very brilliant? I mean, that, that I definitely oh,
2: yeah. a proper scientist. <laughs> yes, though.
1: I absolutely loved the "I'm a scientist." Let's all take off our jackets and wash our hands now, children.
2: <laughs> it's um. Do you, do you do you reckon like I, we won't? I won't go on this point too much, but do you reckon Falco has been? Contaminated with Zeke's final fluid, and what do you think that will lead to? Because a lot of people think Reiner will end up sacrificing himself for Falco. True, but I, I, I just, just, just a little headcanon of mine. I prefer it if, like, somehow Falco got the power of the Beast Titan, and then, like, if, if the theory is true that, like, the Beast Titan changes uh, depending on the user, uh, I'd like him to, like, you know, be a Wing Titan because of the <laughs> symbolism you know, freedom flying. (laughs) I would
1: love that too. Like that's one of those kind of crack fan theories that we had early on. And, but it, it, stranger (laughs) things have happened. So, you know, if Falco becomes, you know, the, the bird Titan or I would, yeah, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I personally feel like Falco will not become a Titan. I think this narratively is a bargaining chip. Suddenly Zeke has Reiner and Colt in his pocket, Gabby in his pocket, these people have to comply with him, or else all he has to do is threaten to scream, and beloved boy Falco is a mindless titan. It, it just changes the dynamic of how people are going to be working with Zeke. Zeke now has you know bar- bargaining chips all across the board. yeah, I wonder if like the, the Jaegerist took Falco out of the sink and just carry him to Shiganshina, <sighs> like. <laughs> 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 <naked>. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, is Flock smart enough to look into the kitchen and see Falco in the tub or is literally still in there yeah, soaking? Just... I mean, <laughs> that was a hilarious
2: thing. That, that, that's the most pressing issue of this chapter, okay? Yeah. No, nothing else matters.
1: <laughs> I think we, um, I didn't look. Let me look at the chapter, poll because we did ask, like, what are you most hoping for next month? And one of the things we said is, is Falco still in that bathtub? And um, <laughs> 32% of people, no, wait. Oh, it's right at the bottom. Aww. Like most people are excited for Levi versus his cop who turned into Titan. 32% of us are worried about poor Falco in that tub. But you know, Papa Browse is there and he's tied up, but he seems like a very resourceful man. <laughs> I'm sure he will untie himself and go rescue, quote, Ben from the bubble bath. <laughs> that was
0: such a weird scene though. Like I read the spoilers and I thought, this this sounds weird. I, I'll have to wait and see how it looks until I pass judgment and then i saw the panel and i was like this is very very weird
2: yeah it was like all, all the tech spoilers like I, I just couldn't believe them it was like armin punches erin falco has a bubble bath it's like what is going <laughs> on?
1: and yet what that says about the survey corps you know the fact that they had just received this critical information and yet they stopped and took the time to take care of you know falco and i, I don't it's it's a nice moment, it's but awesome. is it going to backfire? Is are these acts of kindness and concern for others? You know, had Hanji and the Survey Corps immediately left to go to the Capitol to report to Pixis, they wouldn't have been kidnapped. Instead, they took time to look after somebody and do what they could for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
1: I didn't. I don't
0: think they expected Aaron to show up. I don't think anyone did. I thought Aaron was going to seek out Zeke, not Hanji and Mikasa and, Ar- and uh, Armin. I think
1: we all thought that.
2: Yeah, should we just briefly go over how much of an MVP Mr. Browse is? He's an absolute legend, and I love him.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think I talked to you or on Andrew's server about that. The scene where he's protecting his family—he's in front of them with his arms yeah. extended—and I contrast that with someone like Rod Reese when Grisha was about to attack. I mean, he's miles ahead of his family. The wife and the kids are way in the yeah. back. Yeah,
2: he's he's like a proper proper gentleman. He's like he he. Uh, Obviously gave that speech last chapter about, you know, ending the cycle of hate and, you know, just being so understanding of the world and being so Having such a mature outlook and then this chapter he just continues being an MVP and even um, uh, Niccolo says like, oh, I-, I can't I can't Be up to your standards yet. Like I- I've I've yet to be such a great person like you <laughs> like he's uh he He's, he's 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 a good guy. He's a good guy.
1: When I see moments like that with Niccolo, where Niccolo makes this complete turnaround, this about face on his um I mean, he was already obviously cared for the Eldians, but moments like this where somebody's positive action makes a difference in an enemy's perspective, it it always gives me hope for this series. Like, is this the mess? Is this the power of friendship and being a good person? Or it's just, just another um way that Isayama's going to, you know, give me that hope and then take it away so i'm always i appreciate those (laughs) moments i wish i could fully enjoy them because uh they're so they're rare but they're beautiful and i'm waiting for luna to say wrong manga mom
0: (laughs) (laughs) wrong manga yes every month i tell you this and every month you
1: refuse to listen the power of friendship Hmm. So before we move into uh, the next section of the chapter, which is Aaron's Smackdown of Mikasa and Armin, I wanted to mention in the poll this month we asked: At this moment, who would you most like to punch in the face? Do you guys have any guesses at who is winning the punch in the face question?
3: I, I think. We <laughs> yes, <know. laughs> Black
1: at twenty-seven percent is the character we would most like to punch in the face. And Zeke, I cannot believe this. Zeke is actually tied for last with isayama flock is 27 <laughs> aaron is 24 percent, and zeke and isayama are at 16 I'm, percent.
2: i'm not surprised like after that like cheeky volume oh, cover where you had yeah. you know the, the trio just like smiling at each other it's like okay yeah you're just 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 trolling the audience at this point yeah like
1: i want to mm, punch him yeah. and then shake his hand and thank him you know it's
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that Zeke crept his way up because when we first opened the poll, like it was Floch, Aaron, Isayama. So to see Zeke now tied
1: with Isayama is interesting. And I think that this question was probably deliberately poorly worded because a punch is just many people I know who love Aaron would love to punch him right now or slap him or you know, mm-hmm. show their displeasure. Zeke, I want dead. So a punch isn't good enough for Zeke. <laughs> so I think my answer for this one was either Flock or Aaron. I don't remember which one, but the character, I want to slap Flock, punch Aaron, kill Zeke. If we were gonna play <laughs> punch, slap, kill. I
2: think I think I, I think Flock's like smugness yeah. throughout all of this is what makes him so just hated but loved at the same time. Like When I saw him, like, point that finger off and have that cheeky smile, like, I was like, I hate you so much, but you're so funny for doing this.
1: (laughs) So do you all think that he was, um, I've seen a lot of uh, chatter in the fandom about whether or not Aaron knows about the wine, because it does appear like he's shushing Hanji. Well, if Flach knew, then Aaron had to have known, right? There's no way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and whether or not Aaron knew, Aaron doesn't care. He absolutely, at this point, if he's willing to yeah. destroy his friends, he's willing to destroy the upper military. So let's go ahead and move into that next section of the chapter, which I think is the one that um, obviously caught all of us off guard and has been the most discussed section is uh, Aaron's talk with Mikasa and Armin. yeah. The rough part. Big question I've seen floating around, the one that's been discussed ad nauseum at this point is, Aaron, is he in control of what he's saying? Does he believe it? Is this the real Aaron Yeager? And I would love to know what you guys think about this.
0: Yeah, and I know a lot of people are very curious on your thoughts, so, especially considering the latest video. You yeah, well, I kind Aaron.
2: of put forward the idea that it's mainly his own free will on what's making his decisions. I didn't really... I didn't really go into the aspect of whether he was being manipulated or controlled partly because I, I just wouldn't like that to be the case. Like I feel like it would take away from his character so much if he's being manipulated or brainwashed or something. Um, Cause it would just, I mean, I'm I'm partly biased because I like, I like, you know, the theme of fighting for freedom and, you know, Aaron resembles fighting for that, doing that no matter the cost or sacrifice. But if 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 he's being brainwashed, it kind of it takes away from that theme, uh, the theme that I've spent hours talking about. It's <laughs> so that's why I'm kind of <laughs> biased towards it. But yeah, it's um he did he did make some contradictions this chapter though. Because he he was talking about how Armin was influenced by Bertolt's memories, and that's why he's speaking to Annie. But I, I feel like first of all, that's kind of exaggerating the issue on Armin's part. I still think like uh, Armin kind of used speaking to Annie as a th- as a form of catharsis, so I think it was partly out of his own free will and partly influenced Albert's memories. But on, on the other hand, like Eren is definitely influenced by loads of memories. Like you could you could go down that rabbit hole of just like Grisha, Kruger, the Attack Titan, the Warhammer Titan. Like you c- you can go down the uh, the rabbit hole of influences. So it's. It's it's interesting this discussion and like I I don't really I I don't really know entirely what to think at this point. Like I, I'd like to believe that he isn't being manipulated, like influenced in some ways, yeah, but it's still predominantly his own free will.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, I feel like it's his own free will, but part of me is also hoping that it is, because I feel like it takes away from the overall story if he's being manipulated. And I also don't like the consequences of it, like, well, if he's being influenced by predecessors, the previous owners of all the Titans, then who's to say that the other Titan shifters right now aren't facing the exact same thing, even though it hasn't been mentioned in the story yet. That doesn't mean that it cannot be mentioned in the future. And that's something I don't like because it would change everyone's characterization at this
2: point. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it would like it would contradict, you know, a lot of development because yes, you'd, you'd question like when when was uh, are Aaron's actions have they been his own throughout the entire story or like have they all just been the will of someone else like even going back you know as early as the Rod Rice scene you know when he's chained up in the cave was his when when he you know he he ran into the fire or whatever just got hard in his titan for the first time and he said let me just believe in myself like I I thought that was crucial for his character development like developing his own free will but then like if you have this thesis of just like oh he's he's always been manipulated and influenced and it's just growing stronger then it's like you just question every action he's made and it just takes away from his character quite a lot especially when the development of his character to get to this point as much of (laughs) as much as a dick he was this chapter um (laughs) it does make sense like from, a, from his character arc. like it is, it is believable that he'd act this way from what we've been shown. So that's, that's my opinion, pretty much.
0: Yeah, to me, he seemed genuinely upset. And I think we
1: can discuss the reasons why he was upset with Armin and Mikasa as well. Yeah. So in the poll, we asked what best describes how you view Aaron's control of his actions. And 17% think he's in full control. 8% believe it's Zeke's influence, and the remaining 52% think that it's a combination of Titan powers and Zeke. And uh, so the vast majority do believe that he's uh, being influenced by those Titan powers. Whether that means controlled is something I don't know. But I'm with you guys. I I do believe that Zeke has influenced him. I think that Zeke, I was looking at the chapter just now in the panel, um, Aaron completely avoids all eye contact with Armin and Mikasa as he begins talking to them It's only when he gets angry that his eyes snap to Mikasa's face and he tells her hands on the table But he says I hid myself in Liberia and spoke with Zeke brother to brother and I I do think that Maybe Zeke's words to him back in Shiganchina when he said I will protect you I will save you from this that um, Aaron took those words to heart and sought out his brother and this is literally him Finding this member of his family and trusting him. And I, I hate to believe that, but I hate to believe that, like you all said, he's lost his spirit, he's lost his um mind. I hate that more.
2: Yeah, it's like the like a big theme of the series is obviously breaking free from shackles, which you know represents it could be external shackles. So like, you know, being oppressed, you you want to rise up, you know, break through that, uh, have freedom. But it's also breaking through internal shackles. So like you could regard the influence of his Titan powers or, you know, Grisha or Zeke or whatever as internal shackles on his mind. And, you know, the conclusion to Eren's character will be, or like, you know, where where Eren's character is going is breaking free from, you know, corrupting influences internally as well.
0: Eren keeps repeating how free he is, that he somehow has found a way to break free of his shackles and maybe even truly thinks that he is not under the influence, you know, the memories of his predecessors, while Armin is and maybe others are. So there is something that he feels sets him apart from the others. But I don't know exactly at this point
1: why he feels that way
2: or whether we can or whether we can trust him.
1: Well, I go back again to Chapter 83 and Shiganshina when they first met. You know, Zeke has this way of telling people exactly what they need to hear to get under their skin, to put that doubt in them. And at that moment, he tells Aaron, uh, I know what you're going through. You have to believe me you've been brainwashed, which is probably Aaron's based fear. I mean, it's absolutely, you want to get Aaron Yeager to listen, you tell him you're not free. And one way you're not free is if you're ignorant. And I mean, that might have been the seed, you've been brainwashed to make Aaron want to seek him out and question everything. And that was probably the opening for the two brothers.
2: That's a really good point. I for- I forgot that he used the term brainwash back then. Like you've been brainwashed by your father. And
1: if you look back in chapter eighty three, Aaron's eyes at that moment when his father says you've been brainwashed, his eyes are just huge, and they're that you know when they lose all color. I think that's Isayama's tell when something is profoundly affecting somebody when their eyes kind of lose color, uh, and that happened in that moment. So I I do think that. You know, at the time, I, I read those words. I'm like, ha that's not going to work. It worked. Or I think it worked.
0: Yeah. And I think when he was in Liberio, like the only one he could freely and freely speak was Zeke. So Zeke had plenty of time to make sure that Aaron was basically isolated from anyone who could convince him that what Zeke was telling was not true. Like he completely isolated Aaron by convincing him to come to Liberio. Then he put him into like this uh, insane asylum where he nobody would take Aaron seriously anyway. And it's not like he could walk out of there either. So I think he
1: had a lot of time to manipulate him and talk in. And then alienating Aaron from his friends. I mean, that's like masterclass manipulation stuff. You know, you get people away, then mm-hmm. you turn every yeah. you turn them against everyone else. I mean, I again, it speaks to the fact that Aaron has this strong will. That if Zeke has manipulated him to the point that he's willingly turned his back on everyone based on Zeke's words, I don't like that either. I I feel like it's sad, and uh, you know, Aaron's spirit should be able to overcome it. But to me, it looks like he kind of hook, line, and sinker fell for this.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a shame because a part of me always wanted Zeke to like. Even though he's a borderline sociopath to everyone else, like somewhere in my heart, I was just like, "Please be authentic to Aaron. Like, please, like, actually care for him." Like, I, I was hoping that he at least had his best interests in mind. But like, now that more and more evidence is coming to light, that just, of just how fishy the situation is, you know, like, it just makes me, it just makes me question Zeke even further. Of like, would he be willing to manipulate his own brother? And it kind of makes sense because Eren's will is what controls the coordinate. And if you control Eren's will, then you control the coordinate. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I this
1: manga. I love this manga. <laughs> Okay, so yes or no, Sol, do you believe Eren believes what he's saying? Do you think he absolutely believes that the things that he said to Mikasa and Armin? <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's a tough one because like, I'm the guy who's all for Eren having his own free will. Yet, yeah, like there's a lot of evidence to support that he's, you know, being influenced heavily. But I'd still like to think that there's also evidence supporting that he's doing this out of his own volition. So I'm going to go with not sure. <laughs> on that one. What about you, Luna? I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to sideline the question.
1: What about you, Luna? Does Aaron believe what he's saying? Does he believe that Mikasa is a slave to her genetics and Armin is um, that his best friend is suddenly controlled by Bertolt Huber? So my answer is both yes
0: and no. (laughs) So um, I feel, I truly feel like in that moment when talking to them, he meant what he said. He was, to me, he looked very upset with them. And he just, do you know those moments when maybe you were younger and you just said what you could say to hurt someone, but you don't necessarily mean it. But in that moment, you mean it. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt like Aaron was doing. But obviously, like, looking at how he treated Armin and Mikasa in the past, of course, you know, what
1: he was saying was not true.
0: But in that moment, do I think he meant what he said? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I could, uh, I could kind of justify all of it for Zeke manipulating him, brainwashing him, whatever. But um, when he said to Mikasa, I've always hated you. That's the moment. There's no. Come on, dude. A year ago, you were blushing on the yeah. train. I mean, <laughs> go ahead and be ignorant, Aaron Yeager.
2: Yeah, and I think I think, yeah, you, you e to deliberately place that like that wholesome flashback scene in the mix of all this just like chaos where everyone's questioning where Eren's, you know, priorities. That was two lie. chapters
1: ago. That was I mean, for us reading the manga as a monthly manga, that's forever ago. I mean, it was summertime. It was for people who are gonna be reading this in the Tankuban once it's published, they're gonna have that moment fresh in mind. They're gonna absolutely know that Aaron is yeah. full of it.
2: It definitely wasn't randomly placed there. Like it was definitely deliberately placed there to juxtapose with Aaron now. So it's it's interesting ways going with this.
1: Yeah, I think for us, after months of waiting for chapters, you know, we tend to forget what happened previously. Last on Attack on Titan, Aaron's <laughs> blushing on a train. This week, yeah. So the words that Aaron said, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that he partially, you know, like Luna said, it's it's the heat of the moment. He believes it. And he's probably very resentful of the fact that his closest friends into his thinking, one of them was programmed to be his friend and the other one um, is no longer the person he used to be because he's being influenced by his Titan predecessor. Um, Still the most hurtful words he could possibly say to both of those people. So part of what Aaron revealed in his conversation with Mikasa was about her genetics and her Ackerman biology. Uh, And again, I think with all of these big reveals, Isayama has already talked about this. He talked about this in the Answers interview. It comes up in guidebook interviews. It comes up elsewhere. So it was no real surprise to me that Ackermans form bonds with people. I think the manga was evidence of that. A lot of people hate it. They absolutely hate this development because they think that it takes away their autonomy which is something that Isayama said absolutely does not happen, that they still have choice. I personally do not believe, I think Aaron has, there's a a kernel of truth in his words to Mikasa, but that the rest of it is very misleading at this point. What do you guys think?
2: Uh, Yeah, I I think just like how he was with Armin, like he kind of, he, he had some truth in what he was saying, but he exaggerated to such, he exaggerated it to such like a emotionally hurtful and insulting degree probably because he was frustrated at them both. But, like, yes, it is true that there is an, an, an Acker bond between the Ackerman and its, you know, master or whatever. But it's 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 also true, like, as Isayama stated in an interview, they have free will. And it, it's not like they're entirely slaves lacking any sort of individuality or autonomy over their actions. And I, I think Isayama makes it evident by showing different types of Ackerman that... Mikasa's feelings towards Eren is also genuinely out of her own free will as well. And Eren, Eren is denying this, even though we we pretty much all know that it's true. Like it isn't just her Ackerman instincts of why she's attached to Eren. It's, you know, the entire backstory that she has, you know, her what's what's the phrase again? Like the world is cruel but also beautiful. Yeah, that's like it, it it's it's all to do with like her what I believe is her free will. Uh, regarding her attachment to Aaron,
1: People point to her s- slamming Armin on the table as you know proof positive that she is being driven purely by instinct. But when she perceived Armin was being threatened by Bert, she immediately went and attacked. When uh, Gabby was being attacked by Kaya, she immediately stopped the... I mean, this is just Mikasa. She just, you know... I mean, I just think she sees people fighting and uh, goes to break it up. It doesn't matter who it is. So I felt like her slamming... Armin to the table was more reflexive than Ackerbond kicking in. Uh, maybe it was a little bit. I
0: think that was a little bit influenced because I don't think she would go, like, would get that handsy with Armin normally. But I can understand why some fans would be disappointed with this development because, you know, it's, it's, it's more beautiful in a way if it was all, you know, her own free will and it wasn't just, like, this little piece of... Acker bonding that was involved as well into why she is so attached to Eren. So it takes away a little bit, just like, um, you know, Eren or Armin being influenced by their predecessors or, like, controlled in a way. I think the Acker bond also takes a little bit away.
2: But it also, it also on the other hand, it does make a lot of sense because, you know, like, the ultimate c- complainer in Castor is, oh, why is she so attached to Eren? Oh, Eren, Eren, Eren. It's like, it kind of, does give legitimacy to you know why she she's always protective of Eren but it's 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 just it's just nuance like it isn't like one side or the other it's it's definitely a mix of the two like free will and you know instinct it's definitely a mix of the two
0: and it was already teased like this was going to happen right like the Akramans we knew that they were protectors of the of the Eldian king in
1: ancient times yeah. or earlier times at least and we have Zeke's words that they're a byproduct of Titan science. So again, it's, um, I mean, we don't know if that's true either. I mean,
2: oh, yeah. and anything <laughs> Zeke
1: says now, I'm just going to be like.
2: <laughs> Take with a massive grain of salt. Yeah. Just <laughs>
1: really for Mika said though, this is a person who from the beginning was characterized as somebody who loved family, uh, happy family life, mom and dad murdered. And Aaron invites her into his home. I mean, I don't think Ackerman or not, Uh, there's no way somebody with that disposition to already be a family person, a caring person would not have the sort of bond with the person whom she views as her last remaining family member, the person who saved her. So I I just, even if she was not an Ackerman, I feel like she would probably still be hovering. And, you know, the way she treats Armin and the way she treats Aaron, I think it's just her personality. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was thinking back to the cavern, right? In the cavern, the Reese cavern, Mikasa went to Historia first. She didn't go to Aaron first. After Aaron punches Armin, they're both bleeding from the nose. She's cradling Armin on the floor. You know, she's not an automaton here. She's not programmed, uh, you know, to care about only Aaron Yeager. I think the when you flip through the pages of the manga, it's just, it's all lies. And I really hope uh, Armin convinces yeah. her of that because I really hate to see how this is going to affect her.
2: And even um, Aaron's, you know, speech uh, when. You know, Dina. Dina is like uh, attacking them in the I have forgot what episode, like episode twelve of season two. Um, and Mikasa like has that speech with Eren, and Eren like stands up. And it's like I'll wrap you up in your scarf again and again. And like right now, he, him saying, "Oh, I've always hated you." It's just a massive contradiction, not just on that part of the story, but just on so many of his, you know, character interactions with Mikasa so far. He's definitely, he's definitely, he, he, he's added like a shred of truth into his argument, but then exaggerated it.
0: I think so too. Hey, what do we think about the, uh, her headaches? Do we think they, uh, are caused by her going against Eren and what he wants? Or do we think there's another cause for her headaches?
1: It's funny. We have been talking about headaches since... I mean, I could probably go through my blog and find posts from 2014 where people are saying, what's up with the headache? Again, I don't want to believe it because we haven't seen Kenny or Levi have headaches. But the fact that the headaches have been placed in the manga so frequently, and as frequently as when uh, when Louise brings up something that makes her think of the past. I mean, is it PTSD or is is there a grain of truth to that one? I, I'm going to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, it's impossible to tell if it's Indeed, because she's trying to break free from her awkward bond.
2: Yeah, I, I think Ackerman, like Kenny and Levi. Well, Levi debated this chapter, but we haven't really seen them. Uh, you know, get headaches like Mikasa does. But that's is probably I'd I'd argue it's because Eren and Mikasa's relationship is the most kind of fleshed out of all of them. Um, regarding the past, and we've really seen Levi or Kenny directly go again go against i might be contradicting well we've never seen them directly go against uh erwin or yuri right i don't think so so they wouldn't really get headaches in in the way that mikasa would so well just just because because the point i'm making is like it hasn't been shown in the story because their relationships haven't been as fleshed out as Eren and Mikasa's so I definitely and I I think the headaches that she gets like it's just too much of a coincidence like she always gets them when she thinks about you know specifically the moment when she gained her you know awakening uh, and when she's like questioning Eren so I, I think the headaches in particular I'd argue are a part of her Ackerman instincts because it's it's just like too much of a of a coincidence, pretty much. And the only reason why we haven't seen it with the other ones is because their relationships haven't been as fleshed out.
1: I think back though to chapter seventy, um, where where Irwin is insisting he go on this mission, and Levi is so opposed he's willing to break his legs to keep him from doing it. <laughs> and Levi very much adamantly opposed Irwin's decision. Um, but there was no headache. Yeah. He just was like, "Okay, I'll trust." You know, he after giving the best argument he possibly could, he resigns to, "I'll trust you. I'll help you." Yeah. So I
2: was. But was was, was I? I'd, I'd just be like really pedantic. I, I. Would you argue that that was like he had Irwin's best intentions in mind, rather than questioning like his motives and character, or was it? Was it? Know. if 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 I've contradicted myself, that's fine. Um
1: I don't know. I mean, it's apples to apples. Mika' um Acrobond happened as a child with a traumatic experience, yeah, yeah. well, Levi's happened in a traumatic moment as well, I guess, after uh, his first expedition outside the walls. But I've just seen too many times in the manga where Levi has disagreed with Erwin and there was no headache. There was resignation, yeah. and also, I have to believe that the Serum Bowl, if if Ackerman's are programmed to always protect, you know, blah blah blah. Uh Serum Bowl would not have ended the way it did at uh, Levi
2: Actually, that's a good point. That's a good yeah, point. Levi Just let Erwin go.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Despite But that was also Erwin's wish, right? I think so. Like he, he so Erwin went against, you know, everything that he had hoped for at that point and said, "Okay, I'm going to let go of the dreams that I had." the goal that I had and I'm tr- entrusting everything to you, Levi. And, you know, Levi then had to comply if he also had that Acker bond.
1: And there was no so headache I feel like Levi puts
0: far more... No, but Levi puts all his trust into Erwin. Like he follows him and does what he says. He doesn't really, truly question him.
1: But Mikasa has far more reason to question Erwin. Yeah. I, if anything, it's the age that the bond happened, I think. You know, you, you're equating a grown man. Mm. Levi was 30 when he met Erwin. Thirty-ish. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Kenny was in his thirties or forties when he met Yuri, and then oh, you know, yeah. nine-year-old Mikasa, like a baby bird.
2: And, and I think, yeah, I think the fact that like Mikasa's awakening coincided with the person that she was attached to, and you know the order that Aaron was giving of fights, like because it all happened in that one moment. That's probably why it's more what's the word pronounced than the others.
0: That could also be the case. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that.
1: Okay, so what about Armin? Do you guys believe that uh, Bert's influence is actually there? That he's, uh, how, how, I mean, I, when, I, when I read these things, all I can think of, does this mean that if Erwin had gotten the serum, he'd be in love with Annie now? It's just so preposterous to me that Aaron is using that as proof that um, Armin's brain is muddled with the enemy. I, I, I find it preposterous. I agree.
0: I mean, yes, he is influenced by Bert's memories in a sense that he has, you know, a better perspective of what happened now, and maybe he's because of that he's also, you know, seeing Annie in a different light than he used to. But that doesn't mean that it's just like it's Bert controlling him from the beyond. That's ridiculous, in my opinion. What about you, Saul?
2: Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm just looking at the uh, the poll results. so it was 12 percent yes, twenty percent no, sixty-one percent partially accurate. And I, I, I go with partially accurate because, as I said, like Aaron, Aaron's doing what he did with uh, Mikasa, where it's like, yes, Ar- Armin definitely is, you know, being influenced by a certain degree. Since, you know, before he never went to Annie, and now he, he is going to Annie uh coincidentally after he inherited berthold's titan but at the same time like he used that as a he used speaking to annie as a means of kind of therapy and catharsis in a way because he he didn't really have anyone else to uh to talk to about you know Eren and you know just all the messed up things that's you know been happening so it's it's kind of a mixture of both in my opinion
1: Without Bert's Titan, it makes sense to me that Armin would go to Annie in those moments because he can't talk to Aaron. And essentially, Armin has just blown up a port filled with men, women and innocent children, you know, stepped over the body of a dying child. I mean, it's a horrific experience. And Annie is a character who did the same thing. And of course, Armin would go to her pleading, you know, just like, um. I mean, these characters want to be judged. They want they they want somebody to say, "I understand, it's okay." Aaron and Reiner's conversation was about that. You know, don't I understand? You know, I've been there too. Yeah. I, I can see where Annie would be the person he would be sought out. So to see it twisted into, you know, oh, this is Bert. Now that you're in love with, her, I don't know. To, it's it's exactly what you said, Saul. He's taken this tiny little truth and uh, turned it into something you know beyond all recognition.
2: Yeah, isn't, isn't that, um, that reminds me of what Pixis said actually, I forgot the exact quote, but it's like, if you want to make a convincing lie, like mix some aspects of truth in it every once in a while. Like, I, I forgot the exact quote, but it it's kind of just reminds me, it, it, it reminds me of what Aaron's doing now. Actually.
0: That's applicable, because I feel like we all know what he's saying is a lie, at least yeah, not the yeah, full yeah. truth, so yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, his brother has gotten beat in that
1: area. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so does Aaron believe this? That's, And I, I guess we covered that. He probably believes it, but it was the heat of the anger of the moment that made him word things in such a, um, a horrible way. Yeah.
0: So what did we think of Aaron and his appearance and his expressions this
1: chapter? It's, it's unrecognizable. I mean, when you look back to early Aaron Yeager, I was thinking it's been since chapter 89, 90, since we've had a thought bubble, since Aaron Yeager has had a thought bubble. And he's a character that regularly got thought bubbles. You know, we always had that little moment where we could see inside of his brain what he was thinking, how he was feeling, how he was hurting. And Isayama has cut those off completely. We We are not being given that privilege anymore to understand the why. I think everyone is lacking thought bubbles lately. Well, Levi just had a hugely pronounced one at the end of this chapter. Well, I mean, but he didn't need that one, I think. I think we could have all guessed what he was thinking. It was still a great... um, Yeah, maybe we should just... Are we done with the Aaron, Armin, Mika, and let's move into Levi?
2: I think we've discussed it quite a lot, so, yeah.
0: And here we were still planning on comparing Aaron to Lucifer. (laughs) Damn it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But let's go on, yeah. Okay, so uh, Levi... Death flags? Yay or nay? What do you guys think? Is this the
0: end of Levi? I don't know. I don't think Levi will make it to the end of the series, to be quite honest. But I don't think he will die here. I think his story will have to go on for a little bit longer. But yeah, you still think that he will fulfill his promise to Erwin. I do. And um, I do. But it would be so much more tragic if he <sighs> didn't. I
1: feel like Levi has earned that. He has all the deaths, all the deaths. I feel like Levi has at least earned seeing Zeke Yeager die at his hands. And if any character has earned anything in this manga, it is Levi.
2: I think Levi isn't going to die, and he is going to exact his revenge and fulfill his promise to Thank Owen. So. I have a very positive <laughs> outlook on Levi <laughs> just because he's he's just such he's he's such a unique character when it comes to the fan base and I'm not saying Isama is scared to do anything, you know, drastic to Levi. Like he could he could always end the story off of like Levi being, I don't know, injured, permanently injured or something. But it's he's like I just don't see him killing him off or like not letting him get his revenge. It's just it's just been like built up so much. I just I just can't see that not happening.
1: The only alternative I could see would be maybe if Connie goes for the, gets the actual kill, which I would be happy with that as well. But yeah, I, I feel like Levi has to live to see Zeke die. Otherwise, I don't think the story's gonna be, or okay, I am speaking solely as me uh, and my community <laughs> will not be satisfied with this ending if Zeke doesn't, or Aaron, who are we talking about, Levi? Levi. <laughs> Levi, <yeah. laughs> yes. Levi's ending is not heroic and impactful, and means something to Levi. Levi has suffered, uh, not Reiner level suffering, or maybe yes, Reiner level suffering. But uh, he's earned. He has absolutely earned this.
2: Thing is, um, some people bought the argument of like, oh well, Owen was a really popular character, and Isama killed him, and, and then he became even yeah, more, yes, yeah, more popular. Yeah, more popular that was only the case because he he died in a way that fit his character arc perfectly and it was really heroic. Stand-up death just, you know, made the audience appreciate him so much more. And, you know, Isama had that pressure to, if he was going to send Irwin off, he had to do it right. So if he does send Levi off, he has to do it perfectly. You know, he has to get his revenge in like the perfect way and it has to fulfill his character arc, you know exactly right exactly right or we go after Uh, him with pitchforks i
1: mean that's it that's exactly it
2: um because there's there's just so much pressure especially when it comes to levi and and we know isiama does listen to what's the word you know audience not criticisms but you know suggestions and you know the feedback so he's he's definitely he's definitely aware of the overall consensus the community has on these characters and levi is a lot of response. You know, there's a lot of responsibility, uh, responsibility, particularly on Levi. So I feel like if he's going to kill Levi, he's going to have to do it very well. um But I'm banking my, my money that he doesn't kill Levi in the end.
0: And that one, what will Levi do at the end?
2: He will, he will live a happy life, <laughs> really, <you know?
1: laughs> with his Irwin Smith body pillow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with what you said, Sol, so much. You are absolutely my favorite person in the world right now. Um, <laughs> because I do think with Irwin's death, Irwin be- – sorry, Luna. I, As somebody who loved Irwin Smith, my favorite character in the story, his death absolutely – it hit all the right notes. I mean, I, I still hate his death. I'm still upset about it. But as far as um, him dying the person he knew he could be and not a – Slave to discovering the truth. He, I mean, it was beautiful. It was, and, and, and for it to be at Levi's hands and Levi's mode, I mean, it was absolutely perfect. I bear no ill will against Isayama for why Erwin died. Still a little angry that he did, but um, I feel like, yeah, the pressure is on with Levi. And I, I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine a um, senseless or Game of Thrones style death for Levi. There's no way.
0: I don't think it will be senseless, but I think he will maybe sacrifice in the final battle, to make sure that they can accomplish what they need to accomplish. I can see him do that. So we talked a little about uh, Mikasa's headaches and um, how they affect her bond with Eren, and we saw um, Levi grabbing his head this chapter as well. Do you think it's a headache as well?
2: I think I'm really annoyed at Isiama that he did that because, like, (laughs) he can't just do that after revealing the information and, and then, like, leave it ambiguous. Like, normally with When Mikasa gets these, it's like it's a very obvious, like, you know, intense headache. Whereas with Levi, it's just like when he was thinking of Aaron, it was just like a mild, like, it it could be interpreted as him just, you know, like being stressed out and having that posture, or it could be interpreted as him, you know, having a headache. And the fact that Isiawe, like, left it ambiguous after revealing information is just like, why? Like, why do you do this to us?
0: Yeah, I feel like he's again playing with us. Like, Mm, could be a headache, could not be a headache, and then drags it out
1: for twenty more chapters. And then- <laughs> with Mikasa's headaches, there's always the the SFX, the throb, throb. You know, it's always very pronounced. With <clears throat> Levi, to me, he just looks like stressed out, and and who can blame him? I mean, everything, all the lives, all the friends, all the comrades, everyone dead in an effort to put all their hope in Aaron Yeager and you know, Zeke, having to babysit Zeke for a month. I mean, come on. The guy has every right to grab <laughs> his babysit, head. yeah. <laughs> we did poll the fandom about this, what do you make of Levi's headache? And 45% believe that it's either not a headache or he's just stressed out. So that's almost half of the fandom. 26% think it is his um, promise to Erwin that that um, inability to fulfill that vow is weighing on him. And twenty-five actually believe that this is him bonding with Aaron, which I am surprised about that number. I don't think
0: that's too surprising. You know, he was talking about um sacrificing Aaron and the sacrifice they had made to keep Aaron safe. And then, you know, he's considering harming Aaron, but then he grabs his head the same way Mika said does sometimes. So is it a weird conclusion to say that maybe he acrobond yeah, with Aaron?
2: It, it's it's all like it's, it's very much of a coincidence. Yeah, he's specifically thinking about Eren, uh, you know, the the person with the coordinate power, the person that, you know, another Ackerman is attached to. And then when he's, like, doubting Eren, when we get Levi's internal monologue of him specifically doubting Eren's intentions and talking about how he, you know, sacrificed a bunch uh, to constantly save him, now that he's doubting that, he just, he, he has a posture that could be resembled as a headache. It's like, there are a lot of coincidences. So I, I don't know, it's, it's still ambiguous though. What's
1: funny so. to me though, is we just had the documentary and we actually see Isayama while he's working on chapter 12 and he's like sleeping, playing video games. Like he's just so, <laughs> like this is what this man was doing as he wrote this chapter that absolutely tormented all of us. Like what a jerk, <laughs> Like I can't get over that. We got the behind the scenes of him drawing this chapter and he's, you know, yeah.
2: Playing a playing, uh, splatoon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Falling asleep in his chair, snoring. I love
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if you still do by the end of the series. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, I think I'll always appreciate um, the story he's created, regardless of what happens in the end. So I hope so. I hope um, this investment is not wasted. <laughs> So this
0: chapter had a lot of great panels, but one of my favorites had to be when Zeke was running away from Levi, like the little <laughs> cloud of dust beneath his feet. That was amazing.
2: Yeah, he learned he learned the JoJo family technique right there. He's just such a great panel, and like. It part, part like I, I hate Zeke because you know he's so manipulative. But like on the other hand, like he always has like these little like light hearted moments, like you know when he points at and Pierre, uh, Pierre says exactly right, or just like you know sips his tea or whatever, and it's too hot, so he spits it out. Like he always has these like little quirky like light hearted moments. It just makes him, just it just makes him a bit of a meme. It just it's and it's just fun to see him like it's it it, it contrasts from everyone just being so like serious and like depressed in the series to like zeke who's just you know just acting just quirky it's 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 part of the reason why i find him interesting
0: he's like the master manipulator and then at the same time he's
1: like straight out of looney tunes in this chapter (laughs) i will agree that isayama hit the right notes with zeke and it reminds me of kenny ackerman i think before kenny ackerman isayama's villains like people like Rod Reese and Sanis and they they were kind of lukewarm. They were, you know, you couldn't actually be attached to them or care about them. I mean, they just, they contributed nothing to the story. And then we got Kenny Ackerman, you know, this wild cowboy, somebody you could laugh at and, and growl at like from panel to panel based on what he was doing. And I think he hit those notes with Zeke as well. I mean, Zeke for me is the most terrifying character in the story. He is absolutely horrifying at what he's capable of doing without any remorse or emotion but moments like that okay yeah i hate the guy but i chuckled
2: yeah i, I think it kind of it's obviously he's putting on you know a, a facade in front of people but it's kind of telling on how much you know tragic events in the story like they just don't affect him as much as other characters the fact that he can be light-hearted at times uh like you know the fact when when Bertolt and Reiner are talking about retrieving Annie, and Zeke's like, "Uh, nah, that can wait. Annie, Annie will be fine." And then he like sips his coffee, and you know, just like just all casual. And like we we see him like numerous times where like deaths and like tormenting people and just you know overall violence just doesn't really affect him that much. He's just he, they just don't weigh on his conscience. No. So it, it's 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 kind of I interesting. I mean, think about
1: after return to Shiganshina after. Um when Bert is being held under Aaron's blade, and he basically is like, "Sorry, dude, I'm out of here. Um, and then <laughs> yep. to Reiner, he calls him a lucky <laughs> bastard or something. It's like Reiner has just lost everything. and Zeke is like, "Haha, lucky <laughs> bastard. i I, I, <laughs> I hate him so much. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he, mm, everything you said, so, Luna, everything you said. Yes, it was not my exactly it was not right my <laughs> favorite panel. I know which one my favorite panel was.
2: Oh, mm. uh, oh, oh, oh! I think we all. Know yeah, that.
1: yeah. I uh, I know that was um, seeing Erwin again in the manga, and I guess people feel the same way about seeing Petra and Mike and Gunther and Farland and Isabel, All the people mm. in the flashback. It's always so lovely when we Isayama does not focus on character deaths aside from Sasha's. I know for people like, and I would assume this is true for Petra's fans and everyone waiting years and years and years to get that recognition again was incredible. So I even waited since August, 2016 for that. So I was very happy.
0: I love that Zeke is always the catalyst for these kinds of uh, moments. He brings out. And it didn't work out for Erwin's favor and it didn't work out in Levi's no. favor.
2: <laughs> yeah. isama loves to like pull the, the old like, so Levi's, you know, fi- finally thinking, yes, I can finally, you know, uh, you know, fulfill my my vow that, you know, that I gave to Owen that I kill Zeke. This is finally going to happen. I'm really happy. And then, like, you know, just he's turning around Zeke, just <laughs> running away. <laughs> and then, you know, he just turns his whole squad into Titans. It's just like, it, it's turning, it, it, it's what Eastman loves to do. It's turning hope into just despair in an instant like he loves doing that and it it was just I just felt so badly by this chapter because you know He's holding this urge in this entire time just to just not to slice seek up (laughs) just uh, You know holding back his hatred for the sake of others and for the sake of you know to keep things Diplomatic Um, and then when he finally comes to the conclusion that yeah, we I can finally get the opportunity to kill this bastard He's like nope. I'm out of here let me just turn your friends into titans. It's just, it's 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 really it's 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 horrible what someone does to his characters sometimes.
1: So I was thinking about that. So Levi has a choice right now. He can kill his thirty titans. I mean, I can see why Zeke is off and running because if Levi goes after Zeke and cuts his arms off, because uh, Zeke at this point is unarmed. He has 30 Titans he could toss Zeke to, and any one of those could take Zeke's power and become a shifter. So it's a kind of a strategic moment for Levi. You know, does he stay and fight and kill these 30 Titans, or does he chase after Zeke? And he's got his gear on. He, he could catch up with Zeke in a matter of seconds. Would it be enough? I mean, I know from that, like, story-wise, that would make no sense for him to do that. Would Zeke run out of the forest? Would he be able to? I mean it, Zeke did not get that much of a head start and Levi's got his three DMG. No, but that's that's why the Titans are there to ensure his head, sh- head start. So Yeah, but I mean Zeke Once he's out of the forest he can transfer. Well, that's true. But I mean Levi Levi just turns his um those grappling hooks on the nearest tree and he's out of there. I mean he's <laughs> all he has to do is stay one step ahead of those titans and uh, he certainly moves faster yeah. than they do. It's been 3 years right since he last killed a yeah. titan? Yeah, you got to wonder how rusty mm-hmm. he is. He might be a bit rusty. Yeah. I'm just saying if it was me in that moment I would I would chase Zeke. I would not stay I would I would take care of the titans later. I would go for Zeke. And I would absolutely cut his on, arms on, on, off on and toss hand, him into the titan pit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> on, on the other hand, like, you want, you'd want, want to be responsible in case any titans just wander off and start numbing up, you know, random people. On, like
0: in a nearby you know. village. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So he, he probably feels that sense of responsibility, like, I need to kill them all. Because I don't, like, don't want to have any of them get away and restart, you know a Mini trauma of a
1: but if he tosses Zeke to people, one of so. them and one of them were eats, then he would have a t- don't forget that you yeah. have um backup.
2: I guess it just depends how quickly he can act. And we know, yeah, he can I mean, it would ruin quickly, the story. So- <laughs> Obviously,
1: Zeke is not going to die at this moment, but I'm just saying, me personally, in that moment, the titans they're far enough in the woods that they're not an immediate threat to anybody except Levi. Oh, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. go for Zeke, man. I would. No, no doubt about it, which direction I would be going. <laughs> so I think that kind of wraps
0: up the chapter discussion.
2: Yep, Zeke dying. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. No. So, what are you guys looking forward to seeing in one uh, thirteen? Nothing. Nothing. I, at all? I, I,
3: I'm just thinking. Going anyway. I want everything. N- nothing else will drop. Yeah.
1: I want everything. I want warriors. I want Historia. I want Levi killing Zeke. I want you know. Everything. I want the next chapter to be a novel and all my questions answered. <laughs> Is that too much to ask?
2: I, I have I, I, I don't know if this counts as next chapter, but there's this like one headcanon scenario that I really want to see happen where it's it's it, it seems a bit shonen, but I want it to to be the like, guy like Eren's doing some, you know, I don't know, crazy shit or something, maybe turning into his Titan form, just like beating some people up. I don't know. Hmm. Then out of nowhere appears reiner yes. you know yes suddenly, he just punches him in the face and sends him flying it'd be very shonen but like i could just imagine awesome music and like it just it'd it just be such a cool like way to see reiner just post-depression just resolved and just surprise attacking Aaron. that's 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 my headcanon for what i want to see next to the story But
1: so you don't want to punch erin <laughs> yeager you want reiner to do it it is interesting now, though, um, you know, we know that they're back on the island and I I, I don't want to say switch sides. Everyone's always, when is Reiner going to switch sides? Um, I, it's not about sides at this point. It's about the future and the fate of the world. So Reiner, Magath, uh, everyone teaming up against Zeke and Aaron at this point, working together. I would, I would love that. I would love to see enemies having to reach across the table, too, because the threat, the bigger threat is in front of them. Is that the wrong manga, Luna? Oh no, this is exactly what okay. I want. So, okay, so this <laughs> time we're in agreement. Yes. And and reverse and, and that goes to Pixis's words in chapter, I think it was 12, where, you know, there's nothing that unites people more than a common enemy. And I think at this point, um, Aaron and Zeke are terrifying what they can do. They they hold the nuclear codes. They can wipe out the population of the world. And that's a little more important than who's been oppressing who for the last 2,000 years.
2: Yeah, I mean, as as long as Isayama doesn't handle this, like, really cheesily, which I doubt he will, I think, you know, I have a lot of faith in him to uh see, basically see how this plays out. And, you know, I have trust in him that it it will go well. It will be, like, nuanced and kind of gritty, but, and not, like, really overly and cheesy, like, the power of friendship uh, will beat Eren with the power of friendship, or, like... I'm, I'm. I have trusted Isiama that things will work out.
1: Sol, I'm curious. Do you think Aaron's going to come back from this?
2: Um, come, come back from what exactly? I, like I, his, his stuff. I
1: mean, will we, will we get the Aaron? I mean, the Aaron that we we met and that we knew. I mean, will uh, repair his friendships with Armin and Mikasa, or be the hero? Do you think he still stands the chance to be the hero of this story?
2: Um yeah i I'd, I'd say so because like if if we draw a comparison obviously like a big part of the story is like becoming a monster to defeat monsters throwing away your humanity at times but if you can and if you can contrast two two characters so like Eren has been shown to do that loads of times and so has erwin but what's erwin what erwin has done is that he can throw away his humanity at times and become you know a monster but he can also get back his humanity Afterwards, you know he can act compassionate and you know like smile uh he can have mature conversations and relationships and be diplomatic, and he can also be a crazy commander so it's 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 kind of finding that balance and right now, Aaron is like entirely on the monster side and not on the human human side uh so i I think it's kind of i i reckon in in, in the future of the story he will learn to find that balance he will eventually you
1: know. regain his humanity. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, regain his humanity at the right times. Yeah.
1: I hope so.
0: Okay guys, that wraps up our chapter discussion. We'll have a short break now and after we'll have a quick interview with Sol about his YouTube channel and also have him answer some questions that you guys send in. See you soon.
1: So welcome back. Once again, we are delighted to have you as our guest. And I don't think that that delight ends with Luna and I when we announced that you would be our guest on Reddit. The fan was excited and we've seen that excitement in the Tumblr community and on Discord as well. So of course you have a pile of people asking questions, but we were hoping we could first just find out a little bit about you, how you got into the series, what got you started in the videos. Is it okay if we do that?
2: Yeah, that's 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 fine. That's fine.
1: Okay. So if you don't mind, how did you get started into Attack on Titan?
2: Well, actually first I just want to address as far as like you know support regarding this latest episode in particular, like I've been really awkward in handling it cuz like I I just I just find it really weird that that many people cared. So <laughs> so uh, I just want to like thank the the audience for that, like who showed their support and were like kind of vocal about me being on, which was which was nice. As to answer your question, how did I get into SNK? It was... It's kind of generic. Like, it's not really that exciting. It wasn't, like, a series that just, you know, like, I've, I've been dying to watch. And finally, at the end of a long journey, I, I found this series that just spoke to my soul. Like, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was more like, I was just, like, a 15-year-old kid, and I was just, like, getting into anime. And after watching, you know, Bleach and Death Note, I just... I was just watching kind of like the mainstream shonen stuff and then Attack on Titan. No, I remember I watched Sword Art Online and then Attack on Titan and I didn't really like Attack on Titan that much when I first saw it. Like the first season, like I didn't really find it that interesting. Like I I liked the first few episodes with the entire apocalypse conflict, but besides from that, it wasn't, it, it didn't really impact me mostly because I just disliked Eren it was just, like, complete contradiction of just, like, how I view his character now. But, like, Eren just seems so generic to me at the beginning. Like, he was just, he was kind of the culmination of just what a cliche protagonist, in my eyes, was. Which is part of the reason why I respect him so much now. Just his evolution of becoming someone interesting. Yeah, that that's pretty much how I got into SNK. Like, it's quite a, just a boring story. And it... I kinda left it for a while for about a year or two until obviously season two came back. Yeah, at the end of season two was when I really started getting into the into the series. Like as soon as Reiner and Bertel got their entire reveal, I decided to read the manga and I pretty much just marathoned it in like a few days. And as soon as I got to the basement, that that was when I thought, wow, this series is like Probably one of the best I've ever read in my entire life. I say that like after watching a ton of shows and reading a ton of manga, like unironically, it's it just I hate to be cheesy, but I just felt like it spoke to me on a personal level, especially about learning about Esiyama's background as well, you know, how he uh he kind of he grew up in a very sheltered area, which was, you know, obviously the inspiration for the story, but like it also like internally shackled him in some ways, like he was quite a humble kind of anxious guy and he kind of always had that desire not just to just like free himself physically from his village but kind of like free himself mentally if that makes sense like become a more confident person and understand himself more and that's like the exact goal that I have for myself right now like that's the exact character arc that I'm trying to undergo it just 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 the the core themes of the story and is himself just like really spoke to me on a personal level like it at times' it just Aside from, you know, all the all the genocide and kidding, I, I thought it was, uh, it was a good experience. It was a good experience. So like, as I said, me getting into the story was kind of generic, but over time, I loved it.
1: Well, I think the content that you've created kind of speaks to that, that this story matters to you on kind of a profound level. Was this your, the motion manga videos you did early on, the colorings, and now, of course, the YouTube essays. Was this your first venture into YouTube as far as a content creator?
2: <laughs> well... When I, when I was twelve, I had like a, <laughs> I had like a Minecraft Let's Play channel, <laughs> and when when that reached a hundred subscribers, I was like, that that I, I thought I was like the biggest kid around. I was like, yeah, I have a hundred subscribers. I'm gonna flex that on everyone. Like I, I thought I was gonna be the next big thing. <laughs> um, but then I kind of I found out that pursuing a Minecraft career on YouTube as a twelve year old boy, uh, you know, it just wouldn't work so i i gave up that dream unfortunately and then i went into uh into motion manga which was like part of the reason why i did that was because you know i like reading the manga with with music in the background and eventually i learned how to edit and then did that you know i started out really bad i started out on windows movie maker then eventually <laughs> got to learn how to actually edit and then yeah like you know an, an audience grew from that just after perpetually doing that for years first with Bleach and then with uh, Attack on Titan but part of the reason why I did Motion Manga as well was because like I I always wanted to have a channel that was kind of centered around me more personally but I was kind of too shy at the time so like Motion Manga was a good balance between that having a YouTube account but it didn't like really show me as a person so like it it was an alright balance but after a while towards the end I was like I would like a i'm not trying to come across as like egocentric or ever, but like I, I i would have liked a channel that revolved around me you know where i spoke to the audience where i actually put my own thoughts out there and after the years went by like i found my old channel less appealing and my new channel well the idea of starting a new channel like that more appealing and you know eventually when i made that transition like only like a month after i started my new channel like the old channel just got like terminated by Kadansha, and i was like okay rip <laughs> like it, it it was it, it it was a sad moment, but, like, I wasn't actually that affected by it because I always kind of saw it coming, and I kind of lost interest in the end as well. Obviously, a lot of people liked the edits, but it wasn't exactly legal. <laughs> 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 it was in a very much, you know, gray zone, and uh, I, I was just kind of getting less interested with that, um, and I just needed to adapt. And even though the new channel is, like, a ton of hard work, from my perspective anyway it's uh it's definitely worth it it's definitely it's definitely something that i want to carry on pursuing for you know as long as i can because it's 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 something that like every video in my opinion i i learn new things about this genre of content and you know how to improve what aspects should i implement how can i make videos better what should i stay away from And like. It's it's just really interesting just learning all this stuff and it's helped me kind of again, I don't wanna sound cheesy, but it's helped me grow as a person a bit because when when you can speak to a lot of people and only the minority say that you sound cringy, you're like, Wow, I've actually convinced people that I can have coherent thoughts and, you know, put them out there on the internet and they like it. So that does give you a bit of confidence. But yeah, I don't think I'm gonna give up YouTube anytime soon. It's been a big passion project of mine, especially this new channel. I'm really uh, surprised at the growth as well of the new channel. Wasn't I, really expecting that.
1: I didn't know if you wanted to bring that up or if I could bring that up. But I, in researching you, if I saw the threads where your old channel was yanked and how people were. There was a, they were devastated by that. Like you were already important to the community and then yeah. coming back with the new channel.
2: Yeah, I, I saw, I saw it and it was like looking at my own funeral. <laughs> it was like, oh, oh god, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I feel bad yeah. that I missed it. I was not, I. you were not on my radar back then, Sol. I'm so sorry. I didn't learn about you until the Levi. is fine. It's fan service video, which was amazing. I remember. Yes, I like, was sending it to everybody. Crying.
0: <laughs> I remember the people crying. Oh my God, Soul's
1: channel got terminated. And I was like,
3: yeah. no big yeah. deal. He has yeah. a second
1: channel. be yeah. <laughs> fine. Luckily I was yeah. right. But yeah, I mean, you're at the point now where you're getting sponsorship and close to 70,000 subscribers. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's crazy but like my upload schedule is terrible. So I feel like if I actually work hard and you know upload, you know, two or three videos a month then that growth could like increase exponentially, which is, you know, the plan. Like obviously videos can be hit or miss, but like I'm still shocked that I, even though I'm uploading monthly or bi-monthly, they seem to get a good reception. I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, they seem to get a good reception and like a good response. So I'm honestly really surprised at that and um it, it's just been a massive learning curve just from like a presentation editing speaking recording analytical point of view as well with the, with the new videos so it's definitely uh it's, it's a place where I can you know learn stuff and develop my you know work ethic or whatever rather than with the old channel it was kind of like it was very stagnant and I was kind of losing passion a bit I I know people love the old stuff which is fine but it's just like as a creator, I kind of like saw the end coming and I was losing interest. And then when the channel finally got copyright strike, that was like, oh, fair enough. It was a good run.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it must be nice to have the creative freedom now to um, create the videos that you want on the topics that you want, as opposed to like the repetitiveness of the motion manga you used to do before.
2: Yeah, that was like probably the biggest incentive of uh, of the new channel was just like, because i I did attack and Titan for a year and a half, almost two years, and after a while, like it just got so repetitive and monotonous, and like I still enjoy doing it. But it's like th- there's only so much liberty you can have with editing a chapter. It isn't even copyright. <laughs> you know, it isn't too legal, <laughs> so. um, but it's like with with the new channel, it's just like there's so much creative freedom just to talk about what I want and what interests me. Like obviously, I've got to find a balance between what would be interesting for other people as well. But it's sometimes I have too much freedom. Like probably that one of the hardest parts of making a video is actually coming up with what to make a video on because I'm like, there's so much to talk about. What do I even talk about? Like <laughs> it can get overwhelming at <laughs> times. But like once I pinpointed down a topic and like research it and like write about it and eventually you know gain new insights about it. Like I, it, it's it's such a rewarding experience especially with this latest video that i'm working on it's it's so like you, you kind of you come up with like a basic thesis for a topic whatever that interests you and the more you explore it just like the more conclusions you come to and like the more personal it gets as well like the more the more time and effort you put into it the more you can personalize it the more interesting a topic it becomes so yeah and plus it's on like some shit that i enjoy it's on like anime so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, do you want to lift the veil? Yes, yeah, so my bit next video should be
2: out in under a week. It's 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 another Berserk video, but it's um it's on Guts and Griffith, and it's kind of getting a bit psychological, like bringing up psychologists like Carl Jung who had inspired Berserk, and just like basically talking about what makes a true hero in berserk because because we all know who the true hero of berserk is it's guts obviously even the guts you know acts unheroic sometimes but it, it's more so like delving into like the differences between the two and the psychology of the two and like why guts is heroic compared to griffith it's not really talking about oh it's because he's he he beats monsters and stuff <laughs> it's it's more like the internal growth and development he has uh so yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's why I'm working on. I don't want to do reel too much though, because it's 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 something that I'm really interested in because I've you know I'm interested in all that psychology stuff mixed with berserk, which is one of my favourite series of all time. So yeah, it's 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 a lot of work though. It's it's taken like literally like a month of on and off scripting just to get the script done. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, I, I hope it turns out well. I hope it turns oh wow. Out
0: well. How long does it take you to record something after you've scripted it
2: i'm terrible at recording because it's, it's like i i have to get into the right mindset and mood beforehand and that normally takes a good month to numb. No, it takes a good hour or so to get prepared mm. and i'm like okay i can do this I c- i can record then i listen back and i'm <laughs> like oh i sound so unenthusiastic here like <laughs> or just like oh i'm just i'm just messing up constantly so i normally <laughs> i've this has been a pattern with like every video that i've done like i record the entire thing and then i re-watch it the next day and i'm like this is terrible and i delete all of it and then i re-record the entire thing again and then i'm like this sounds a bit better so i'll use that <laughs> it's like
0: really all of it I've, oh my gosh
2: i've been trying to change but like that is literally what i've been doing <laughs> like the entire time so yeah that's Part of the reason why videos take so long to make is partly because of my laziness, partly because, you know, I just mess up on stupid things, and partly because, you know, I'm just, like, a perfectionist. Like, everything has to sound and be as good as I can make it. But, yeah, the recording process is, even though I I, I do mess it up quite a lot, it's probably the easiest process out of making a video. It's the editing, which is really time-consuming if I will make it look good, and the scripting is just, like, that scripting requires the most work because it's like, you actually have to think because <laughs> ed- ed- editing takes up time, but at least you can kind of like be a robot and just like switch your brain off, but just like, mm. you know, just work through the video, just adding like, you know, transitions or, you know, whatever seems good. And I've kind of like learned how to do that automatically after editing for years, but it's the scripting, which is like, which can make you exhausted. That's the video process. It's, it's not nice, but it's rewarding
1: so what's next in terms of attack on titan videos
2: i think i i I feel bad because i've been teasing this video to like people who (laughs) watch attack on titan for like almost a year now (laughs) um but I, i i wanted to be like at the stage where like i've improved my writing to a point where i can give this character justice as much justice as i can probably the next attack and titan video will be on the boy himself on uh on Roy braun yeah he's he's definitely how
0: did you say that name
2: Reiner braun <laughs> braun. <laughs> braun just don't wow. don't disrespect my accent <laughs> <laughs> but yeah
0: if you don't disrespect the german language i won't disrespect
2: touche <laughs> touche um but yeah on, on on the stuff about himself so he's probably my favorite character I need to give him justice. See,
1: Soul knows what's good. I know, but you know who Soul's second favorite character is <laughs> Zeke Jaeger. So let's keep no, that in mind.
2: He's my third favorite. Aaron's <laughs> okay, third, my third favorite.
1: Excuse me. Third. Let's keep that in mind as uh, we heap our praise upon <laughs> it, his it's, it's, of writer.
2: It's funny because, <laughs> well, because like, with Zeke, I just view him like really apathetically. Like, I'm just like, I just love him for his character quirks and like just how interesting he is as kind of antagonistic force and just how he just, how he manipulates people. I'm just like, yet is still kind of likable in his own horrible sociopathic way. I just find that really interesting. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I'm only kidding you, but yeah, he's, he's um, (laughs) a welcome addition to the cast. (laughs) So we saw on Reddit that
0: you got a lot of love and. Obviously, your uh, YouTube comments have been very kind as well. How has it been dealing with popularity?
2: It's a really strange feeling, uh, a feeling that I probably won't ever come to terms with because it's like a complete juxtaposition from my real life. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, yeah, I I get along with people fine, but it's not like if I show up somewhere, someone just randomly comment, hey, I know you and I love your videos. I love you. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that just doesn't happen in real life so it's kind of like surreal in that aspect and it's interesting because like whenever I watch YouTubers or I see YouTubers like get a lot of respect I'm always like really skeptical I'm like hmm, there's some, there's some brainwashing there's some Zeke Jager action going on here like I'm really <laughs> really you know, interested in understanding why and then I upload my videos and I'm always like Analyzing what I say, like really intensely, like uh, seeing if I made a mistake, seeing if I something that could be inferred as you know something wrong or like me or whatever. I overthink about <laughs> everything that I say, and then still, despite that, seeing people like giving me compliments, it's just like it, it's it's honestly surreal. Like I, it's it, it's it's something that you you can't really put into words. It's just like a thank you wasn't enough because it could sound disingenuous, and like you don't want to ignore it, but. It's just it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Um, obviously, I do get a lot like comment where it's like your video sucks uh, Kill yourself or whatever like but That's just like inevitable on YouTube, especially um, Especially if your videos get like, you know, they hit the algorithm and they get a lot of views, but it's still like 95 99% of the comments are just like well good shit man, <laughs> keep it up and I'm like Wow <laughs> I wish I could be treated like this in real life like it's it's it's, it's honestly great it's um it's, it's done a lot for my confidence as well. um I don't like to you know ever fall into that trap of like being egocentric like I'm always skeptical, but whenever I get like a compliment uh whenever like if I'm overthinking something or like being super analytical, whenever I just get like a nice compliment which is like I like I like your videos. You're a good person. Keep on doing what you're doing. It's just like it's just something wholesome. It makes you think. Oh yeah, this is this is worth doing. This is worth doing. Like it actually affects other people because I'm I'm in my head all the time. So it's like the fact that it has an external impact on others. It's just like it's just something that I can't even come to terms with. Really. Yeah. So popularity hasn't really been hard.
1: <laughs> so you do read all the comments your video gets, and I assume all the comments yeah, on Reddit. I- when-
2: I have, like, a process for reading comments, so it's, like, if I get, like, a bunch of new notifications, like, take a deep breath and just, like, mentally prepare myself just in case someone says something horrible, so I'm, like, I, I like, I, I search for, that, like, that negative comment and I kind of, like, put up barriers in my mind just for, just to prepare for that, but most of the time, like, it really isn't as bad as I think it is. It's just, like, just people, you know, being casual, just enjoying it or just, like, if they have a criticism, it's normally like just a minor correction, and they're normally fine about it. So I do try and read all the comments. I, I should do a be- better job on like replying to the comments because I do want people to feel like they're speaking, like like it's a it, it's a back and forth dynamic. So like if they give me a compliment, it's not like they're just shouting into the void. Like I, I do read all all the comments, and like I should probably respond more just to have more interaction with the people that I'm you know, speaking to and affecting. So that's, uh, that's something that I like to do.
1: So I have to ask based on what you said, have you had an real life fan moment? Have you met somebody who realizes that you saw madness um, and reacts to that? Or has that never happened to you?
2: I met someone at uni who knew that I made videos, which was like, it was kind of a surreal situation. Cause like, I'm not, I'm normally quite awkward, but then like, When that happens, when I'm put in a dynamic that I didn't expect and I find surreal, just like, what is going on here? Uh, (laughs) So I probably, I probably came across as like really dismissive, but like it actually meant a lot and they were just appreciative. Um, And also like, I'm I'm really vocal in public about what I do, um, you know, to like people I know, but it was like, (laughs) <laughs> an experience with like I told my older brother that yeah, I have a YouTube channel and I I showed him it and like he told all his like 30 year old friends <laughs> About the channel and it was like this his birthday uh, birthday party a couple of weeks ago And I've never met these people and I turned up there and like they all heard of my channel and they're all like coming up to me Just like oh, yeah, what you're doing is awesome. And like <laughs> oh, it's crazy that you've got like th- th- This many people subscribing and I'm like it, it, it was crazy. <laughs> it was just like wow, okay it's it's honestly it's it's surreal like getting comments online is surreal but like talking about it in real life is like even more surreal especially as i hate like being egocentric it's just like i just find the the situation really awkward but awesome at the same time so
1: so when you meet people and um let's say the conversation you know what do you do in your fair time at at what point will you introduce to somebody that you've met or will you I mean, is it I'm sure it's not something you're embarrassed by I'm sure you're very proud of your videos uh, Are there times in real life where you introduce people to your channel? And yeah, I'm so on YouTube
2: I'm normally against it because it kind of like I I'd only say mention to people that like i'm already close with and already know me. If i'm meeting a new person and then I just say hey, I've got this youtube channel It just seems like a ploy to try and impress them um, and it just seems kind of like disingenuous so i I only mention it to people that like are either relatives or like i'm i know really well but besides that like i try not to mention it that much because i don't want to come across as someone who's just like like trying to impress people or like trying to you know (laughs) flex on the kids you know (laughs) (laughs) flex with the mad number yeah (laughs) it's i don't know it's it's difficult it's difficult
1: yeah, it really is. I, like, I don't know your first name. I know you as Soul, But it must sometimes feel like two different people.
2: Yeah, it does. It honestly does. Like, obviously, aspects of my real-life weird personality do, like seeps into my videos a bit. And then, like, the confidence that I gain from, you know, people liking the videos seeps into my personality a bit. But a lot of the times, it is, like, night and day. Just the... The, the personality difference. And I feel like I mean it hasn't really done me any harm when I mention people that I have a YouTube channel. So like if if I play it off in the right way without trying to seem like I'm trying to impress them, then uh then I, I, th- I think I should do it more. Because it's just like it's just something interesting. It's just like an interesting conversation topic to have, just like the entire online world and YouTube. Yeah. Real life and virtual life normally don't cross over, but I might, I, might try and, I might try and integrate that more.
1: I think I've asked you this privately. Do you want to make a career of YouTube? Do you, I mean, obviously you're in school right now. That's taking up a lot of your time. Is whatever career that you're going to school for, do you see it transitioning into a YouTube career? Or is this just very much a phase in your life, a creative outlet that you imagine will be replaced with something else?
2: That's a good question. I mean, right now I'm, I'm doing a degree and with with, without youtube i'd like to at least have a degree just for that security i Mm -hmm. i I know people you know have mixed opinions on whether you should have a degree or not but having a degree does help quite a lot especially now when degrees are you know everyone has a degree it's kind of like a requirement for a lot of jobs to judge that like security definitely staying in school to get a degree um and then as far as youtube goes i want to try and balance the two If I could make a career out of YouTube like that would be the dream career like (laughs) Like I I wouldn't like that honestly like if 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 your passion aligns with your work, then that's like That's that's the best thing ever so If if it does grow to the stage where it's like valid as a career then That would be probably the best path in life for me to take um, and just see where it goes but it also brings up the question of, like, how long in general would YouTube last? Because it's kind of questionable with the longevity of, of the site. Like, I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I'd love to have a job out of YouTube, but I still want to keep other options open. Ideally...
0: Yeah, which sounds sensible.
2: If I upload more, if I upload, like, two or three videos per month, then I can see the channel. Like, If the algorithm is on my side, then I can really see it, like popping off into something, you know, sustainable.
1: Yeah, that's what I think too. If if you had the time to really focus on it, not just um the algorithm, but Patreon as well. I think you're one of those people that you know, people want to support and would love to hear more from you. So yeah, it's a crossroads. I mean, how much do you throw into this and uh
2: Yeah, it's like
1: especially as somebody in school. Yeah,
2: it's it's like schoolwork and obviously like the videos themselves just take forever to do. Um which is why I think like I should try and be more open about the process and like be more cooperative with other people. Like if you give me a proofreading or like give me suggestions because because I work completely independently, it just takes such a long time. So I think like cooperating with other people to some extent might speed up the upload process. But then again, there's like a pride issue where it's like, oh, yeah, I want everything to be my own creation. So <laughs> I don't know. It's. I'd, I'd like to make things more sustainable. And if, they, if things do become successful, then I'll take that with open arms. Um, at the same time, I'd like to get a degree and just keep my options open.
0: Well, that sums up our questions to you. But the community also sent in some questions. I'll start with the first one. Uh, Nietzsche's superhuman asks if, so, if Zeke could symbolize anything in the story as a whole. If he symbolizes anything. What do you think on that?
2: well first of all I really like that username Nietzsche superhuman yeah that's like great <laughs> um, as in like what Zeke thematically symbolizes in a way like referring to like other characters I, I guess I'll I guess if I were to go like pure themes on this like obviously the, the breaking free from shackles theme which I brought up loads of times like I really like that theme and um, if the theory is true that Zeke is somewhat manipulating Eren, then I think Eren overcoming Zeke's manipulation would be like another great showcase of that theme internally. So like not Eren literally breaking out of shackles, but like breaking out psychological shackles that Zeke has placed in If things turn out that way, then that'd be like a good addition to the theme. But yeah, Zeke is Zeke is kind of an, an enigma. It's kind of difficult to know what like we still don't even know what his end game is is he actually on the side of every eldian or just does he just want control of this power this coordinate Rumbly power it's he's, he's a bit of an enigma but if if i were to say like he represents something symbolically then yeah that's I that's my answer
1: <laughs> so also from reddit King's Grave asks the question, how much of an impact do you feel that Aaron being imprisoned in solitary confinement for a month had on his psyche? Yeah, that's
2: that's interesting. I was surprised to realize that it's been a month since they came back. Like, Zeke and Levi have been together for a month. Aaron was in prison for a month. Um, And Aaron is the kind of character that likes acting on things rather than thinking about things. So I don't imagine that it would have been a fun time in that prison cell i if i were to put some headcanon in it i'd like to think he spent that time kind of like understanding all the influences in his mind especially with the new warhammer titan influences and like coming to terms with that because i know he's a lot more disciplined now as a character like he has the discipline to like stay what's, what's the right phrase like stay consistent as a, as a person uh, even through solitary confinement, so I don't think I, I I honestly don't think it affected him that much. In fact, I think it, it probably helped him because he just came to terms with like the new memories in his head so that's that's my head plan. <laughs> I could be wrong. I know.
1: so next, all might Ab asked, could you analyze the situation of the Waldians are in ever since meeting the volunteers and assess where you think the survey corps went wrong?" and what Erwin as commander would have done differently in these situations. Um, so that's probably an hour conversation, <laughs> but what do you think, Sol?
2: Oh, God, uh, that's a can kind of worms. Um, if I were to like summarize it into one thing, it would be like they weren't open enough with the public. They were too, I mean, rightfully so on the one hand, because they have like a mass murder of Survey Corps officials just like you know casually in and they would want to hide that but on the other hand like i thought with like the entire revealing of the basement and like you know the truth of the titans being revealed to the public was like a change in the right direction for the military you know the fact that they're being open about this secreted stuff you know unlike the old oppressors beforehand where they kept everything secret i think the fact that they're open help them with their you know logis- their legitimacy and popularity a lot and they've kind of taken a backtrack on that and they're they're being very secretive and they're not they're not being open enough to give context to the actions like in context we know why they locked up Aaron but the public weren't given that context so now they're like oh the, the hero of paradise has been locked up by the survey Corps like they will obviously you know be against them so I, I think it's just this lack of formal communication which is the issue
1: and what about erwin do you think he would have done anything differently
2: erwin oh, that's, that's difficult to say because like erwin could have either got the route of like being open and diplomatic or he could have just like done something crazy i don't, I, I don't know erwin's kind of like I, I i feel like he would have pushed forward the most like I wouldn't say diplomatic option, but like the option that would get public opinion on his side, no matter the cost. Like he he would he would be willing to do something, not not shady, but just like something questionable, in order to change public perception to get, you know, to not be as on Aaron's side as much and more favoring towards the survey call. Erwin's kind of. It's kind of difficult to answer because it's like very hypothetical. I don't know if you would have anything more interesting. I've avoided similar.
1: this question. I mean, I get this in my inbox pretty regularly. Uh, what would Irwin do different as uh, in these situations? I, I, because I do think Hanji and Irwin are very different, but they're both smart people. They're both capable of being underhanded. They're both capable of being transparent. I mean, they. I think that it. What I mourn is, uh, I would have liked to have seen. Erwin master manipulator versus Zeke master. You know, how much would Zeke have gotten over on Erwin versus Hanji? I think Hanji's probably not as um, deceptive as either of them. You know, it would have been more of a psychological battle between those two characters, as opposed to Hanji who is more like the inventor, uh, the researcher. I mean, Hanji asked the right questions, did the right things.
2: Hanji values the means towards the end. Whereas like Erwin can like, Put aside like the moral the moral value of the means to get to get to the right conclusion to get to the end And that's you know, what Zeke is mm-hmm. like as well He doesn't care about the means he'll do whatever he can to get to the end so It, it, it sucks for Hanji because like I swear in like any other situation she, she'd be like a great politician <laughs> like she'd be great at that, but it's just like it's because the world is so crazy and you know everything's so like absolutely bonkers now that like fucking just the world's against them they're being they're having internal conflict they're you know flockers just, <laughs> flock like, is around let's against. just say flock like, lives in this <laughs> yeah. <world. laughs> yeah it's like you, you can't handle that with like a moderate approach which is just a shame because like she'd be great in any other situation but it's just this one's just difficult
0: yeah i don't think it's for her Okay, we have one final question, although I don't know if it's really a question. It's from Shitty Rehash, who says that he thinks the idea of free will, or the lack of it, memories and ideologies, and how they affect the characters in the story, as well as just Aaron in general, would be excellent topics, considering the development in recent chapters. But I think we kind of covered that during the chapter discussion, so if you have anything to add to that.
2: Yeah, we kind of... we we kind of like that was kind of like weaved into like every answer of like all the chapter um they affect the characters it's see I'm it's 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 annoying because like I'm entirely on the free will side because I like characters to be you know Mm. their own people and not be stripped of their individuality but I don't know this is like this is a. Uh, it's it's an interesting development. It's an interesting theme that's uh, being put in the story. This like manipulation or just like this kind of like outside force kind of. What's what's the right word? Not manipulation, but affecting characters like Armin, Eren, Mikasa, just everyone pretty much everyone except for Zeke. Maybe I don't know. Zeke's kind of affected by Grisha though, so
1: yeah, he's got some daddy issues.
2: Yeah, he has some. Some some daddy issues that he needs to take care of. I'm I'm still like Zeke completely contradicted himself so many times. Like was because like a part of the a, a big debate was like his speech during the suicide charge where he was like he was like really angry at the survey corps and he was like angry at his dad for the situation. He he wasn't putting on an act in front of anyone there. He was that was like all internal log. So I'm unsure if like. Isuyama needs to like wreck on that, or like if it's actually valid in understanding what Zeke's mindset is. Cause he's, he's just contradicted himself so many times. Like, I don't know what to make of his character at this point.
1: Zeke and Aaron are the new basement, they are the mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on Twitter, Soul, we had someone named, I guess, Polka. Uh um, okay, I think yeah. Okay. Any early opinions you'd like to share? And how are you enjoying the glorious memes from this chapter? Which has been your favorite meme from this
2: chapter? <laughs> um, pro- I probably have to go with the obvious one and just go with Zeke just you know, Jojo running just out, out of the forest. Like it's too good. <laughs> it's, it it was one of those It was, it was one of those tech spoilers like the other ones, like Alco has a bubble but Armin punches Aaron, and then it's like Zeke just like runs away. It's like what's like but just like seeing it drawn in just such like a it was just so random <laughs> i just love zeke so much he's just so quirky um but yeah that, that was my favorite meme um there are i haven't seen many other memes this chapter like
1: i think flocks what, what other memes are they maybe Flock's finger in the air you know um
0: i think that maybe the memes oh, God, the yeah. fandom created after. yeah
2: yeah, it definitely has to be that Zeke meme. it's, it's yeah. just like they're, they're always always you know the most iconic.
0: My favorite ones are like where um, Aaron runs into like a burning building, and Zeke, Mikasa, and Armin are like on the floor covered by this big wooden oh, yeah. <laughs> structure, and he just runs out saving Zeke. <laughs> oh,
1: I haven't seen that one. <laughs> no, I'll send it. it to you. I I I. I... I mourn, literally mourn all the, um, all the fandoms of my years past that I've missed because this Attack on Titan is my first time in fandom. That, you know, you could actually be in a community where you deal with your heartbreak by memeing about it. And yeah, it's <laughs> glorious. This, this fandom is, uh, you can just, you know, half an hour after the chapter is released, the memes begin. And uh, it's part of our five stages of grief, I guess.
2: Of course, there is. The, there is the entire Aaron did nothing wrong meme, which yeah. is like turning into a Griffith <laughs> nothing wrong scenario right now. Like, it's. <laughs> I, I was going to mention something. Like, I don't know if it counts as a meme, but it's just like, I love, I love like Gabby this chapter because like Aaron uh, and Armin are, like having this really intense fight, and they like flip the table, and Gabby's <laughs> just like sitting there, just like looking so lost, and just like, yeah. it's like she's like, wow, so this scared. is a lot of
1: violence. <laughs> I think it was Sol, you sent us the (laughs) meme of, um, or the panel from One Punch Man, where- uh...
2: Oh yeah, like who is the lost confused child? Like, (laughs) yeah.
1: So Sol, on Tumblr, we didn't get um, as many questions for you, we did get a few people expressing their excitement at having you. But our friend Bayer did ask this very serious question, between Luna and Isayama, who do you think loves Reiner more? Luna? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I mean we've talked about this, I you think, know, in our first podcast about when when Isayama talks about Reiner, it's you know Matt Damon's eyes and um, Yeah, it's David like yeah. Body the ultimate and,
2: biological like male He created <laughs> creation, his ideal
1: yeah. man in this manga.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I No, I think Isayama I like, loves him more. I think isayama I, Luna's just too I, Luna loves him. But um, I, I think she's maybe moved on to pretty
0: much. Yeah, her. You know what it is? They say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I say out of sight, out of mind. Yes.
2: Ooh. But Ryan, Ryan will come back with a with a back.
0: He will.
1: Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> What a bang. What makes me laugh <laughs> is that her latest character, Crush, is voiced by the same voice actor. So it's <laughs> not going to happen. I'll just leave it there. Okay. And then Vair is um, very insistent. She, I, I feel like we need to apologize because I outed myself as being Team Faz vendor, which hurt her feelings. We both threw Colt under the bus when we suggested that he would cooperate with Zeke. And then you ignored her topic um, in this beautifully written emoji laden ask. You did not answer it. So I think you need to answer it now. Uh oh. It says, Can you discuss? Clap emoji, her important topic that needs attention. than anything in the series, bedroom. Since mom is talking, can Luna say something about Reiner's bedroom? Like who's (laughs) allowed, who is not? Is it okay to eat sandwiches there or not? Uh, Whose bedroom is the most interesting for your guest? Oh, wait, Christmas is coming. So I am just going to throw that out there. I am out of this ask. I am not mentioned in it. You two are. So Luna. So are we talking about the, the bedroom?
0: Headcanons about Reiner's bedroom. With the bed that doesn't fit him? Hmm. I don't think Karina would allow anyone else to be in there.
1: You don't think who would allow anyone else
0: to be in there? Karina, his mom. But if it was up to me... <laughs> you know that <laughs> I don't okay, ship, so I don't really care. Everyone's allowed. It's a free-for-all as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Do you ship anything or anyone in this series, Soul?
2: Um, I'm, I'm just trying to decipher that question. I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still translating so, it.
1: <laughs> I think the relevant part for you, Saul, This is obviously a shipping question. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do you ship anything, or would you rather not say? It's it, the smart um, thing would be to say I ship nothing, which is what Luna says. But it's true.
2: I ship nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do okay. some, like, some very small, vague headcanon ships, but, like, they're not significant si- significant enough to talk about. So, yeah, like, I I didn't, nah. Nah. <laughs> I, I won't go down there.
1: <laughs> You're playing it safe, too?
2: <laughs> I, I have to play it safe. And like. this is why Sol
1: has 70,000 YouTube subscribers <laughs> and no hate mail.
2: It's just, like, <laughs> that, like, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I wonder how the uh, Aaron X Mikasa shippers feel after this latest chapter.
1: So I actually, I don't want to say I keep my fingers in all the ship communities, but I certainly have friends in all the ship communities. And, um, you know, I like to ask them, you know, how are you doing? How did this affect you? How are you feeling right now? And what's interesting is that Aaron and Mikasa, Aaron Mika have always been kind of like one of the tiniest ship communities. You'd think it's the most obvious ship, but if you go to AO3 or the other fan fiction sites and just look at the amount of fanfiction that's written, for instance, Aramika is one of the tiniest. Like nobody, there's very few really? content creators. Yes, I know. It's shocking. I was shocked. But the community is actually doing really well. And um Araman shippers, like the Aaron and Armin community and those who really love Armin, that's I think what's been most shocking to me. About this chapter is that there's been sort of like an air of civility both on reddit on tumblr I haven't been on discord as much But uh, I think you know the overwhelming feeling that i've determined or that i've seen is that with the worst case scenarios happening people are being a little bit gracious and Maybe a little bit kinder to each other and we all knew this was coming We all knew the fractures were coming and it's happened and People are coping, so they're very sad, but also excited, and that seems to be the prevailing sentiment I've seen. Is okay, the worst has happened. Now what? Now can the good stuff happen? Uh, have we reached the bottom? Or yeah, you know, I think people are hopeful. Yeah,
2: I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that. Like, because obviously, I, I'm not very involved in the shipping communities. Like, I haven't like seen them that much or like gone in depth into them, but from the outskirts obviously people are generalizing but all i hear is like oh shipping is uh like toxic or whatever it's like hearing stuff like this is like is is really good in my opinion like the fact that you know like it isn't just a bunch of arguments like it's it's kind of civil and they're handling things well so it's kind of like it's an aspect of the fandom that i'm really not like I, i don't really know anything about so It's it's interesting to hear that. It's good to hear that.
1: All the controversies, all the conflict, all the hurt feelings, this chapter could have exploded into a fandom. It could have been Serum Bowl 2.0, which is (laughs) the most contentious moment my experience in fandom has ever. Uh, And it hasn't been. People are just, they're sad. They're just, nobody wanted this to happen. And it has. And Sympathy for Mikasa, Sympathy for Armin, you know nobody wants to believe that Aaron has done this it's It's rather than this being an opportunity to attack each other and say, "Haha, I told you so. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing acceptance, hope, and uh mostly people are getting along so i was I was delighted by that, and everyone I've talked to seems to concur that that's what's happening in the fandom with this
2: I think Isiyama would have wanted that <laughs> yes. He doesn't help himself, though, with, with, especially with that latest volume cover. It's just, <laughs> why, uh, why are you doing this, man? <laughs>
1: uh, that alternate cover is, I, can you just imagine him, like, drawing it and snickering? and. <laughs>
2: uh, oh, yeah. Yes. It's probably the only thing so that tan. gives him happiness in life at this point. Just he's so tired all the time. He's like, yeah, this, this will make me smile. This will cheer me up a bit, just, you know, trolling the fandom.
1: I have to think this hurts him as well, though. You know, like oh, he, yeah. he he loves these characters as much as we do. And uh, he has to tell the story he has to tell. But, um, you know, maybe he'll write some happy fan fiction AU on AO3, one of these, and uh, some fix-it fic or whatever to make up for it. Or maybe the cover was to make up for it. Maybe it was a genuine expression.
2: Maybe it's foreshadowing of the future.
1: Ooh, Ooh mm. time loop.
2: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he does care about these characters, though. I, I know um, after Erwin's death, he was uh, listening to sad music and drawing Erwin and thinking about him. And um, so I would imagine this chapter was difficult for him. Not, I mean, the documentary would say otherwise, being that he slept <laughs> through it. But, you know, I think he cares about fandom reaction. He cares about the character. You know, these are. this is a decade of his life. Yeah. I must say, the Aaron
0: Sirfayman I has been... Wonderful to see. They're ruling the ashes. You have to add more to that. You can't just say wonderful. No, but it's basically what you said. Like The, uh, the Aramika channel was completely dead. And they were like, well, I'm happy that this chapter revived everything. Also, the, um, the poll that uh, Lady Mo did, the character popularity poll, there was also a shipping part at the end. I think Aramika mm-hmm. ended in the second place. Probably because of this chapter. Has she published the results? No, it will take a while, she said. But this was like before, like cutting out all the spammers and everything. That was the final. So,
1: Aramika was the second most popular ship? Yep. Well, I think it's always been popular, but it's never been one of those ships that really inspired the writers and the artists. I mean, and, and I say this talking- Maybe because
2: it's like too obvious. I wonder. Like, I don't know. Maybe because it's, it's too easy to do. That's why. <laughs>
1: yeah, not enough drama there or something. Yeah. But I have seen a huge uptick in Mikasa art since this chapter. Yeah. Hmm. That was it then? I think so.
2: Was this a civil, civil conversation about shipping?
1: Wow. <laughs> well, I'm the only one here that actively <laughs> ships anything, so uh, hardly yeah. a <laughs> use case or a test case of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> So that wraps up our one twelve podcast. We'd like to end by thanking Tumblr's Lady Macbeth Spot for supporting us on Kofi. We truly appreciate it, and also huge, huge shout of thanks to Sol for being such an amazing guest. Soul, thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me. Like I've honestly for a while, and like we spoke for hours, and I didn't expect that you know we'd have this many points to talk about, and yeah, it was genuinely a lot of fun, and it was uh, it was a good experience. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. We certainly did. So, yeah, I hope everyone listening felt the same way and hope you enjoyed the last few days of this year. Thank you for offering your hearts and ears and see you in 2019. Bye. Bye.
2: See ya. See ya.
1: see ya. I like the oh. see ya, Saul. I liked it. Although I would have preferred you to say carry on.
2: Carry on.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Move forward. Carry
3: on. Oh.